Well, I've already introduced my name's Steve. I've my wife Joe with me and a wonderful couple from our church. Why don't you stand up, give us a wave? There's uh, Alona and Abel. They're from my church in Birmingham. They were so excited to come to Swindon. Like, we have never been to Swindon. And their expectation has been met already as they came on to an industrial estate. They thought, wow, this is Swindon? Now, we will show them some sights on the way out, uh, the roundabouts. I mean, man, that is a tourist attraction. We've got to take a video of us going round that. But uh, no, we do love this place. We were just here a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, for the Swindon Hub as we gathered leaders across uh, from regions beyond our family of churches that you're part of here at Gateway together here. And you hosted us so well. It was brilliant uh, to be here. And uh, it's a joy to be with you this morning. Well, uh, Joe and I spent sort of the last, well, we spent 15 years in the city of Hull. And we planted what was called Jubilee Church there. And then two years ago, we moved to the north of Birmingham, again to uh, plant churches and support church planting across the city. And we call it Birmingham and beyond uh, because we're believing God for churches, multiple churches to be planted right across the West Midlands into Shropshire, down across anywhere. Well, Birmingham... If you've been there or not, it is the second city of the UK, of course, as over 1.1 million residents. But in the surrounding area, there's 3.8 million. And then in the West Midlands, there's 6 million people. And out of those, (laughs) there are hundreds, well, there are millions (laughs) that don't know Jesus, that have no experience of him. Uh, Hull's exciting. Uh, Sorry, Birmingham. Hull is exciting. I live there. Birmingham's also exciting. It's the youngest city in Europe. So 40% of our population is under the age of 25, and it grows the city by 10,000 each year. Got about 65,000 students in five different universities. And it's a beautiful diversity, which is why I love it so much. Over 170, uh, sorry, 187 nations, and less than a third of people being white. So I'm in the minority, which is wonderful for a change. But of course, as well as those beautiful things about our city, it is a spiritually needy city. Uh, less than 4% attend any kind of church, and less than one5 attend a church that would really talk about the person of Jesus and a friendship with him. And the church generally has been in decline, of course, with church buildings being demolished to make way for new flats, apartment blocks, a quarter of a million of our city would identify as Pakistani Muslims. And our city did contain the largest mosque in Europe, which contained uh, the capacity for 6,000 people. So it's a challenging city, uh, a beautiful city. And we started Christchurch, Birmingham. Uh, We meet in a a United Reform building on a Sunday morning in Aston, Aston Villa. Any Aston Villa fans? Anybody dare to admit it? Okay, well, we're right near the football stadium, and uh, we gather about 40 adults there on a Sunday and children. And then we also have a little group meeting in a home uh, right down in the south, a place called Maypole in a state there. They're meeting in a home, and they're growing there. We've also got a couple of moved to the east of the city to start uh, one of our churches there. That's in a place called Yardley. And then uh, we've just got the keys to a building last week, in our next 
beyond, which is Walsall, which is a town just above us, which has a population of about 260,000 people. And we've got a, we're going to be planting a church there. And then some of you will remember a guy called Abdullah Jamal, or AJ we call him. He came and preached here. He's now going to be planting into Mosley, which is kind of the south of Birmingham. So we're going to have about five expressions of church. And we're believing God for so much more. Because our city is needy in terms of spiritual need, but also we've got a real heart to particularly to reach the most marginalised in our city. Those who often are excluded by the church, because most of the trendy churches, the, the bigger churches, are in the south, in the very posh parts, or by the university where they attract students. What is lacking is the suburbs and the most deprived areas of our city. And so we've got a real heart for that. Most of Birmingham's in the lowest 20% of deprivation in the country. And one in six adults in Birmingham are in what we call absolute poverty. That's a shocking figure. One in four children are in absolute poverty. That means their living conditions, the amount of food they get to eat, a quarter of our children. And we have a real heart to see Birmingham turned around, the gospel impacting our communities. And also as a church responding to the needs. And of course, we don't have all the answers. But we know the good news of Jesus can transform lives. And that's why I believe we need church on people's doorsteps, where they can access, where they can meet people who love Jesus and know him. So we're very much wanting to express community in every part of Birmingham. One of our responses is a local church. We've opened up a, a local pantry. And uh, it's just wonderful. This week, uh, through our pantry, we've, effect, we've helped 170 individuals. People come into like a little shop. They pay £4.50 and they go out with about £20-£30 worth of food. And it's a great place. It's really full of dignity uh, where people can choose the food they want. They can build relationships. They come each week. They're members, so they feel like they're contributing, but they get a lot out. And wonderfully this week, in our food pantry, we led somebody to Christ, which is wonderful. Who'd been sent to our pantry by a local doctor. He said, I think they might be able to help you there. I didn't think, no, whether he expected what might happen. Uh, thought maybe we'd just help him do some volunteering. He's going to do that as well. And then uh, in May, we had our second free community day, and we had 300 people come from our community. Of course, the majority of them are Muslim, so we always have to have halal food. Well, why am I telling some of this? Well, I think... God wants to accelerate what we're doing in terms of expression of God's kingdom coming into our communities. And one of the ways we can do that is by continually multiplying our small groups into different parts of our town here in Swindon and beyond, but also be engaged in planting new churches that really establish themselves in a community where they can serve those around them. Matthew 11 verse 12 says this, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has forcefully advanced and the strong take it by force. See, the kingdom of God 
is, is a wonderful illustration of what Jesus often talked about. In fact, it was one of his favorite messages. He mentions it 82 times, 82 times in the gospel. And as God's people, if you know Jesus, in every area of your life, in your family, in your community, in your workplace, as you're having to go to the, to, um, the uh, what do we call it, the benefits office, wherever it is, in your hostel, you are called to bring God's kingdom. That's to bring something of his rule and his reign and his authority to those around you. The Bible says, doesn't it, the Lord's Prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're praying that something of the joy of our worship this morning, of understanding who the kingdom is, who Jesus is, would be shown and demonstrated among those around us. And so as we think about the kingdom of heaven, I want to look at a parable that Jesus told us about this. And it's called the parable of the mustard seed. And actually, it's my favorite parable. And it's found, it's just a short parable. A parable is just a story that usually just has one main theme or meaning. So it's Matthew 13. Just two verses, 31 and 32, it says this. He told them another parable, another story. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air may come and perch in its branches. Anybody hate gardening? Anybody love gardening? Anybody wish they had a garden? Anybody wish they didn't have a garden? That's me. Okay. Anybody got any idea what this is a picture of? Oh, there's a lady over there. Japanese knotweed. Who's heard of Japanese knotweed? Well, so some of you are very, very clever in this room. Well, this is Japanese knotweed. And actually, right now in the UK, it's the most evasive plant known. Now, this plant came from Japan, a beautiful plant, and it thrives on disturbed ground. It was, of course, introduced to our country in the early 19th century as an ornamental plant, and it was used to feed our cattle. So the Victorians introduced this, but had no idea what incredible power this plant had and how it would invade and inv- our land. Because its deep roots can penetrate roads, concrete, they can damage foundations and drains. Its new shoots can just grow up through a road. It can break up tarmac into pieces. It can just start as a tiny little shoot like that, but it can grow to more than nine feet in ten weeks. A time in nine weeks can grow. My parents, when they bought their house in a place called Shoreham by Sea down on the coast, the house was very cheap. Nobody was buying it. You know why? It had Japanese knotweed. So they bought the house very cheaply, but do you know what they had to do with the garden? They had to get excavators 
down. They had to go several feet under the ground, take out the whole garden. All the soil had to be removed and go to a specialist place where it was burnt. Cost them £30,000 to get rid of the knotweed, which meant now that the land is clear of knotweed. Now, why am I telling you this story? Why am I telling you about this knotweed? What, it's got, what has it got to do with this story we've just read that Jesus said? Well, a parable is a word picture which uses an image or a story to illustrate a truth or lesson. And here in the book of Matthew, he places the story of the mustard seed in the middle of the story about gardening in which Jesus tells his people to let the weeds and the wheat grow together. Then he tells the listeners that the kingdom of God is like a mustard tree. Well, when we think about mustard, (laughs) we think about this little seed. It was actually an invasive and aggressive annual weed that was a pain to the human gardener and was just as annoying as not weed. Gardeners and farmers did not plant mustard seed and certainly you don't place it in your field. So Jesus is saying something very unusual. And of course, weeds, it would have attracted the bugs, the bacteria. And when you've got insects, it's a food source. Who wants to come and eat the insects, the birds? And so Jesus is saying, wait a minute, you plant this so you can attract the birds. It's a bit crazy. More than that, even Jewish law forbade it being planted in a garden. So can you imagine the thinking and gossiping going on when Jesus is talking planting a mustard seed? Again, Jesus offends the religious mindset. We're going to break a few laws here and a few things in your minds. There's just three things I want us to look at from this illustration of God's kingdom being like this mustard seed. The first thing is this, is the kingdom grows. See, it said this mustard seed that grows into a tree illustrates how God's kingdom expands all over the world. And one aspect of that kingdom is his church, his people. Jesus had 12 disciples. 72 followers are then mentioned. Then we read in Acts There was 120 praying in the upper room. Recently, we celebrated Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church. Peter gets up and preaches. And in Acts 4, verse 4, it says, But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. 120, then we read of 3,000, then we read of 5,000. We read then of growth after growth, as the gospel, this kingdom, comes breaking in to people's lives. And of course, today, billions of people have been affected by God's kingdom breaking into their lives. And you know, as a family of churches, as regions beyond, we all have a part to pay as we seek to reach new places, new nations, new areas with the gospel. We're called to pray we're called to give finance and we're to go to the ends of the earth, of this island, and to the ends of the earth. 
Because this kingdom is growing. This kingdom is breaking in. For those of you who are here with some of our leaders, we heard one of the stories of what we're doing as regions beyond. The kingdom is beginning to break into particularly unreached people groups. They're people that have never heard about Jesus before, never had the opportunity even to meet a Christian. One of those uh, tribes we're reaching in the Philippines, they're the poorest of the poor. What they do is they eat rats. That's their main diet because they can be caught. But how they catch them, first of all, is what the rats do is they eat the rice. So they follow the rats. Once they've eaten the rice, they then kill the rat. They break it open. They cook the rice and they cook the rat. We now are seeing the kingdom begin to break in in that tribe as we share the love of Jesus with them. This is what God is doing. He's breaking out in unexpected places. But you know, for the United Kingdom, you know, often I go to different places and people say, it's really hard for the gospel to break in here. And often some places, depending on what type of church you go to, they often blame the witches on the hill, you know, or the ley lines. I was in speaking to somebody this week. They said, oh, it's because there's a ley line coming under our building. That's why their growth has been difficult. Don't worry if you don't know about ley lines. It's some weirdo, new agey thing. And I'm like, haven't they read this story? <laughs> you know, of course there's opposition. Of course there are challenges to the gospel. But don't they know this parable? You see, the mustard seed can break through. <laughs> the kingdom of God can break through. And Jesus said that this mustard seed would grow into a tree. Now, the mustard seed is the smallest of seeds. And Jesus says it grows into a tree. Any of you gardeners, and we've got a clever lady over there who knows a bit about what that was. The thing is, the mustard seed does not grow into a tree. It grows into a shrub. A shrub is a, a small, well, not small, it might be a big bush. But Jesus says it grows into a tree. Let me ask you a question. Does Jesus not know about the natural world? Is Jesus just a bit stupid? You know, he is 100% human. Of course, he's also God. But he laid aside his majesty to come from heaven to earth. Do you think Jesus got, made a mistake? Who thinks Jesus made a mistake? He didn't make a mistake. What is he saying about this kingdom? He's saying something incredibly important about the kingdom of God. So you didn't get it wrong. It's not normal, but the seed of the kingdom can turn into a tree. We're not part of a normal kingdom. We have a king who is the king of kings. We have a farmer that is the creator of the universe. We have Jesus as head of this church, of his church worldwide. Church isn't normal. It can grow from 120 to 3,000 in a day. There can be greater impact in this town as we see the kingdom breaking in. The kingdom is growing and it can't be stopped. Tell your neighbour the kingdom cannot be stopped. Your other neighbour's upset that you went to that neighbour. Tell the one on the other side. The kingdom cannot be stopped. 
See, it's like the knotweed. It will suddenly appear from nowhere. It will affect foundations. It will break out in all kinds of places. Are you expecting for God to do that where you are? In your workplace, in your community, in your town, in your village, in your hamlet? Because some of you are really posh. God can suddenly come and break in. Suddenly you see a work of his kingdom. And sometimes the work of the kingdom isn't even in a Christian yet. But you see the work of God happening. A man, a woman of peace. And the kingdom begins to break through in hard hearts, in difficult places, in challenging situations. The kingdom comes. The people group who are hardened to receive the gospel suddenly become open. So the kingdom grows. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. The kingdom is powerful. My wife says I shouldn't have favourites. that true? Shouldn't really. I have got some favourites. One of my favourites is Iranians. Any Iranians or Persians here today? Yes. Good to see you. I'm afraid I'm going to tell you I love Persians, but the history is not brilliant, like the English history. So don't worry about this story. Okay, in the days of the Roman Empire, mustard seed was a sign of power because of its fiery, spicy flavour. Nowadays, we often have mustard seed, we use them in our cooking. Okay, there was Darius and he was king of the Persians. He was king of this incredible uh, nation. And they invaded Europe and he was met by... Alexander the Great, again, another person who wanted power and authority. Darius sent Alexandra, not an email, because I didn't have an email, okay, didn't send him a letter, but sent him a bag of sesame seeds. Now, sesame seeds are really tiny, and he sent him a whole bag of them, because it was an illustration to say, look how many people I have in my army to come against you. It was a taunt. It was a poke at him. This is what Alexander did. He sent him a bag of mustard seeds with this message. You may be many, but we are powerful. And they defeated them. I think Jesus is illustrating with the mustard seed. Actually, the kingdom is not about power that crushes, but being crushed. Because to release the fiery power of the mustard seed, you crush it. You crush it. Power comes with a crushing. Jesus triumphed over his enemies, not by taking up the sword, but actually having the sword thrust in his side. Mustard seed must be crushed ground, beaten, broken in order for the power to be released. If you make that curry, that's what you need to do. In John 12, 24, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. See, this is an upside down kingdom we're part of. We celebrate a king whose body was torn apart. His blood spilled out as we remembered as we broke bread together. As Christians, to be their most effective, 
It's not always to push ourselves forward, not always to shout the loudest or demonstrate the most or make the biggest fuss. Instead, what do we do? We serve. We're humble. We put others first. And the power of that will advance God's kingdom. We'll see his breakthrough. See, there are many of us here who have faced some major challenges in our lives and pressures. Maybe even now you're feeling under pressure. We have faced all kinds of disillusionment. We have felt crushed. However, in that crushing, if we allow God into that difficulty, our hurts, he can use that crushing, that pressure to release power, not only in our lives, but to those around us. Maybe you need encouraging in that today. Maybe that's exactly how you feel. Even coming today was a struggle because you feel crushed, you feel burdened. God wants to encourage you. There's power in that crushing. Jesus, of course, was crushed. Jesus, of course, was broken. His blood spilled out, but on the third day, he rose again from the dead. There's resurrection power there is life. For some of us maybe you feel alone in the workplace as a Christian, maybe in your community. Maybe you're the only Christian in your family. You're the only one to say something about injustice. You're the only one who doesn't join in the gossip in the office. You're the only one among your friends when you go out that you don't get drunk. You may feel alone. Maybe you're, even your organization feels corrupt and you feel, I don't know whether I can really make a difference. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. And if you feel like a mustard seed, how <laughs> you might feel small. However, that mustard is powerful and strong. And through you, the kingdom can grow and grow. You are powerful. You can bring influence. You can bring about change as you work out that life in humility. Turn to your neighbour and say, you are powerful. Now say that you, like you believe it to the neighbour next door to you. Now say to yourself, I am powerful. I am powerful. Not because of the strength I have, not because of my gifting, not because of my multi-talents, because Christ is in me, the hope of glory. The kingdom of God has broken into your life, has broken into my life. We can make effect because of who he is. And lastly, the kingdom is for those in need. And this is what most excites me about this parable, because it says the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. As a farmer, you don't want birds in your field we passed through some beautiful countryside as we drove down from Birmingham. In the old days, actually, that's who's one of the most friendly people in this church? All of you. <laughs> Who looks the most friendly? This guy looks friendly. Come on. What's your name? Rob. Come on, Rob. It doesn't he look, hasn't he got a friendly face? <laughs> okay, I don't want you to be friendly now. Right. Let me ask you a question. It's not a hard question. If not, we can ask some of these people here. 
in the old days, or even now, how would farmers scare away birds that are in their fields? Scarecrow. Okay, thank you very much. Here is our scarecrow. <laughs> you did have a friendly face. Can you put on your most frightening, awful, scary face? Maybe a bit more gritting of the teeth. Okay. Now, this scarecrow, thank you, just stay there. Do you know the farmer would put up a scarecrow so the birds don't come? Because what do the birds do? Eat the seed. But Jesus is saying, thank you very much. You're looking very scary, that scarecrow. <laughs> Jesus here is saying that we plant it so it grows so that the birds come and perch in its branches. And the word that is in Greek, which is that part of the Bible is written in, it's another language, it's, it's the word fowls. Fowls were not the most majestic birds. They were the birds that people detested, that didn't want. For me, in my garden, I don't like the magpies. Or it could be, I know some go, oh, I love magpies. Okay, it's the vultures, the ones that feed on the dead carcasses. They are the fowls. Jesus is saying, this kingdom is for the birds, the fowls to come. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying the kingdom of God is for the lost. It's for those without shelter and hope. It is for the frustrated and despairing. It is for the despised and the outcast. It's for those who are often pushed to the edge. It is for the poor. Jesus 9 says, 12 verse 13 says, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And I know there's many people, because I've met many of you now, in this church. And a heartbeat of this church is often to reach those who are often excluded by others. Often excluded by the church. That's who we're called to be because that's what the kingdom of God is like. That's what the church should be like as he reflects his kingdom. The ones are often on the edge. And in our daily lives and as a church, we need to be those that welcome the fowls, that bring shelter. You know, there's nothing more sickening than churches that pull up scarecrows. There was a church in Hull where the scarecrow on the door was the pastor's wife. And she stood at the door, and a guy came into the church first time from one of their projects, I hate projects, projects of homelessness. And as she stood at the door welcoming people, she smelt this guy smelt of drink. She said, can't come in here. Scarecrow. Scarecrow. Somebody maybe looks different, smells different acts different, hasn't got their life all together, maybe feels a bit of a mess, maybe have kids that run a bit riot at times. They're the ones that we welcome in, that we love, that we care for, that we embrace. You know, churches that pull in events that people always have to pay for, excluding those with no finance. So here's an example, the youth saying, we want you to come, we're going to serve you. Preaching sermons that are so complicated that those who don't have a university education like myself don't even understand. It's a scarecrow. You know, churches where people look you up and down as you come into the door. 
We don't normally have your sort here. Instead, what do we do is we plant trees. We have to welcome and embrace. We have to do something. I want to finish with this story, and I'd love us to pray in the last sort of 10 minutes. You know, in our church in Hull, when we planted that 17 years ago, we didn't advertise where we were meeting as a church, deliberately, because we were trying to reach the lost. And we are meeting on an estate, which was quite a challenging estate in the heart of the city of Hull. And we're beginning to reach people. And they would gather outside the door and chat. And some of them sometimes would come into the service, sometimes wouldn't. They'd come down in their pyjamas from the tower blocks because we gave out food, then take the food, then go back up to their tower block. And a few weeks in, this beautiful lady came in. She was really beautiful, beautifully dressed. And she came up to me after I preached a brilliant sermon. So I thought she was going to encourage me. She did. She said, oh, pastor. It was great. And then she said this, pastor, there are too many people smoking outside the front of your church. <laughs> Whoa. Scarecrow. Do you know what? I turned to that lady and I said, Ma'am, there are not enough people smoking or sucked up in my church. <laughs> but I said it in my Brighton accent, all right? <laughs> See, what was that woman saying in that moment? She was saying, those dirty people outside smoke. You shouldn't be having them in church. They need to get cleaned up first. But you know who needed cleaning up? That Pharisee woman with a religious spirit who would put up a scarecrow and say, now, I don't like smoking. It is an addiction. God can help you get free of your addiction. No problem with that. No problem with that. But what we are saying is you have to get cleaned up before you can come in. And so we began to welcome in more people who would smoke outside, have a fag, then come in. Absolutely fine. In fact, one time when kids were throwing... Stones at our window. Didn't know what to do with these teenagers. I just went up to them and went, Oi! They expected me to run after them. I said, Can I have a cigarette? <coughs> I had a cigarette with them, almost died. They never troubled me again. Some of you right now are thinking, Oh my goodness. <laughs> Why? Because we welcome the fouls. We say, Hey, that's not push you away, that's embrace you. Why don't we just stand together right now? Abel, can you come? I'd like for you to pray for us. Maybe you could give Abel the mic. But right now, I just want to encourage you. You know, if somebody comes, sits next to you, are you welcoming? Are you inclusive? Do you consider sitting elsewhere? When people hear about Gateway Church, I don't want to hear this is just a nice, friendly church, which it is. Church with great coffee is the lively church, the growing church. Yes, we want it to grow. Yes, we want it to be lively. We want it to be welcoming. But we want this church more and more to be known as a church for the broken, a place of protection and shade, the church where those with broken lives and pieces make an incredible, diverse picture of the kingdom of God. God is calling us to affect the poorest and most need in this town. What is God calling you to? His kingdom is growing. 
His kingdom is powerful. His kingdom is for those in need. Abel, why don't you pray for us and we're going to minister. Why don't you go ahead and speak in other tongues? Saturate this arena with the, with the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your word that has come forth. We thank you that our heart is enlarged. That we are not those scarecrows, scare people out of our lives. The church is actually a workshop, a mechanic workshop where lives are transformed. Yes. Yes. So, Father, let this word that we've heard, let it produce fruits in us. We, we, when people encounter us one-on-one, let them meet Jesus in us, in our yes. lives. Yes. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for in Jesus' matchless name, I pray. Amen. 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 I'd love, what I'd love us to do is to pray. Got a few minutes. We're going to get the kids in a moment. If you, right now, for some of us, the Bible says become weary in doing good. For some of us, we are very compassionate. We are loving. I know most of your churches, actually. But sometimes you can weary in well-doing. You know, people will let us down. We will move to an area, and then we move quickly out again. We will reach out to one person, and they rob us. They take advantage of us. And sometimes, cause us to become weary. But God wants to anoint us afresh, give us a renewed passion for him, for his kingdom, for the lost and broken. So if you sense that, I'm slightly weary. I want more of God's passion for the lost, the broken. Why don't you just run down to the front now because we're going to pray for you. Come, come right now. Let's pray for you. Let's come forward. And the team that normally helps people pray, and, and uh, Alona, Alona and Abel and Joe come and help pray, just come right forward. Just the Holy Spirit just wants to come upon you to lift things from you, to ignite fresh passion in you. You know, there are times when we have to make decisions. Just step forward a bit more so everybody can be prayed for. That's great. Maybe some of the, the church team who normally used to pray and just come and stand behind them. Why don't the band just come up? Why don't you lead us in a song? That we just want to pray particularly for this group, that the Holy Spirit would come upon you, empower you, refresh you, anoint you. In Jesus' name, fresh passion for the lost. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we welcome one, the rest of us respond. We all need to be more passionate, more compassionate. Reach out to him. Just allow the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he needs to break something in us, to break our heart with what breaks his. So we pray for that. I'm just going to hand over to the band, maybe to lead us in the song. And, and if there's other things you need prayer for, this morning, then please feel free just to come forward and be prayed for.